Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here for, for football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, and the gang is back together because joined today, none other by friend in life, everyone's back from vacation. It is John Paulson himself. Paulson, how has everything been going for you behind the scenes? Not bad. I'm in the middle of writing my draft notes on basically every player in the top 40 or 50 at running back and wide receiver and the top 20 or so tight ends and quarterbacks. So doing a lot of research, refining my rankings. It's a fun time of year because I really get to dig into some of these stats. And then I release a 99 stats article uh, in July. So I could share that with everybody then. But right now it's June 30th. It is that month long lull in between training camps. The majority of dates and camps actually open on July 27th. And by the time August 1st rolls around, everyone, including every veteran, is at camp. And so it is the perfect time for us to begin our positional breakdown, beginning with quarterbacks today. As you mentioned, you're writing draft notes. I'm working on team previews. The first one, the most important one, the Broncos, because it's free, is available to everyone right now on the site, as well as everything else we've been doing for best ball. So definitely make sure you check it out. And I want to jump into quarterback rankings with you. But before we begin, since it is that time of the year where everyone's listening and may be wondering, well, the team previews are coming out and they're behind the paywall. Your draft notes and rankings and projections are behind the paywall. How the hell do I get in and access all this stuff you're talking about? Uh, it's easy, actually. For best ball in particular, you can actually just go to Underdog and use the promo code 4 for 4 to get a free Pro or DFS sub. So log in Underdog as a new user, deposit $10, use that promo code 4 for 4, numeral 4, let word 4, and then the number 4 again, and then you get that free 4 for 4 Pro or DFS sub. That's how you get access to it. You can also go and just pay for it normally, but right now that's the promo we're running, and that's the one we suggest you use to get access to everything behind the scenes. But with that, Paulson, there is really no debate about the top five quarterbacks. What I want to ask you is really who is your five in a certain order, because that's really the nitpicking that we're doing here. And then I'm curious also, and I'll listen as you're saying, where your tier falls off, because that's where I think it may get iffy, because there is one particular player that I have in the first tier of quarterbacks that you may not. So curious to get, first off, your top five thoughts. Okay, so I think that the top three are pretty clear to me. It's Josh Allen, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert. Uh, just three really, really solid picks. Um, you have to use pretty significant draft capital to get them. Uh, and then after that, I think, you know, we uh, you mentioned that the top five is pretty uniform across, you know, different rankings or consensus. But um, I, I actually think quarterback four through quarterback 13, you could really see any of these guys finishing in the top five and not be surprised that it happened. But my number four quarterback is Lamar Jackson due to the, his rushing ability and the likelihood that the Ravens are going to go pretty run heavy this year. And my number five quarterback right now is Kyler Murray, very talented thrower of the of the ball, can also run the ball quite a bit um, and is getting a little boost there at receiver with Marquise Brown joining the fold. He's a little bit hurt by the DeAndre Hopkins um suspension but Hopkins wasn't all that great last year and Murray still produced a lot of fantasy points um with the help of those legs and uh, I think he's a, a solid number five who are you most concerned 
that could potentially fall out of that top five? Who are you most concerned could have a underwhelming season among that group, if any? I would say uh, Lamar, just due to his tendency to get dinged up here and the number of hits he takes as a runner. Um, he has so much upside there, but at the same time, it's not hard to, to see him missing a couple games or three games, and that would knock him out of the top five contention probably. I will go on record of saying I actually am somewhat worried that I'm drafting Patrick Mahomes for namesake only because this offense does not have as much elite talent in trading Tyreek Hill as they did in the past. I do think they're actually deeper than ever. They have more pieces to go to, but even three guys don't take up and make up for the part and the role that Tyreek Hill played in this offense. Patrick Mahomes last year, 25.6 fantasy points per game in the first six starts, ended up actually leading the league in dropbacks against two high coverages, and eventually, because of those two high coverages, also leading the league in percentage of throws behind the line of scrimmage and passing yards after the catch. And that's why from week seven on, he actually averaged 18.8 fantasy points per game, uh, nearly six fewer per game on a weekly basis. And so... Knowing that, knowing that Tyreek Hill was a big played a big role in the fact that the Chiefs for four consecutive seasons had a absurdly otherworldly, non-sustainable, even though they managed to sustain it, 47 47% scoring rate on their possessions, even though they were actually 32nd, dead last in drives per game, possessions per game last year. I do wonder like if it's finally time where the roosters come home to nest, where like they cannot, without that elite top-heavy talent at wide receiver, sustain this otherworldly scoring rate that they've had with Patrick Mahomes in the past. And so that makes me worried about him at his current 44.7 ADP. And that's why I've actually, an underdog in particular, I've just been drafting him when he falls behind his ADP, not really ever reaching for him. It's interesting that you say that because I just pulled up the ADP at underdog and Justin Herbert has moved ahead of... Uh, Mahomes slightly, um, 44.1 for, for Herbert and 45.7 for Mahomes uh, based on our under, underdog ADP tool. So it, it seems that drafters are sharing your concerns a bit about the loss of Tyree Kill. I, I think that there are enough, and you said they're deeper, and I would agree with that. And it was interesting to hear, and I forget the name of the beat writer that was on uh, the, the, the podcast with uh, Mike Randall, uh, but he mentioned Michael Hardman as the top receiver in the wide receiving core, and that was surprising uh, to me given, uh, you know, Juju being there, Sky Moore being added, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling as well, and Hardman's just general struggles to get consistent snaps in this offense. But I think there's just a lot of weapons here, and it's enough for Mahomes and Andy Reid to figure it out and continue to post really good numbers for Mahomes. He may not be you know, have that uh, QB1 type upside overall. But, I mean, I guess at QB3, you're expecting that. Um, Jesse Newell was the uh, Beats reporter. Thanks, Sal, uh, offline there. Uh, you, you do expect to have that QB1 upside with uh, a guy going third or se- I have ranked second. But, you know, maybe you're, you have a high, really high floor there with him as well. That also may be why he is ADP dropped is because everyone else heard also that Nicole Hardman is now the number one wide receiver. <laughs> That's possible. (laughs) Everyone else got away quickly. Uh, You said, though, it gets interesting for you, 6 through 14. So let's just slow down and say 6 through 10. I'd love to hear who you have there and why. 
Uh, yeah, I've, I've uh, mentioned Jackson at uh, four, Murray at five, and then Jalen Hurts at six. Uh, he's a little, a little bit dicey. We don't know what this offense is going to be. Is it going to be the pass-heavy attack that they tried to start, you know, to start the year last year, or is it going to be the run-heavy attack that they used in the second half of the season? I think we'll probably see something in between, uh, given the addition of AJ Brown. Uh, Tom Brady at seven. Tom just keeps firing. I think he was QB three last year. Uh, he's got a little setback with his uh, receiving core with Chris Godwin, likely to miss the start of the season. They did add Russell Gage. Uh, Gronk isn't back, so things are a little bit downgraded for him. Russell Wilson is at eight. Uh, very talented uh, receiving core there in Denver. It's hard to parse out who's going to get those targets and snaps there, uh, but we know that Russell Wilson has a great uh, receiving core, and he's got a high ceiling as a fantasy quarterback. I got Joe Burrow at nine. Uh, he's I'm expecting more of the same from him, and he had about the number nine uh, per game average last year. He's got a great receiving core, and they're they're upgrading that offensive line, which I think will help him. And then I've got Aaron Rodgers at ten. That might raise some eyebrows. I think he's going QB thirteen off the board, and uh, but I, the back to back MVP I think will adjust. Uh, I don't think he needs uh, Devontae Adams to score fantasy points, and he's done quite well without Devontae in short spurts uh, over the last few years. And I think he will adjust. And uh, that offense will look a little bit different, but I think he's still going to be the centerpiece of it and throw a lot of touchdowns. Among that group of names you mentioned, do you see any that could potentially jump up into the top five, into that top tier of quarterbacks? I wouldn't be surprised if any of these guys finished fifth or fourth. Uh, I would be probably be surprised if any of these guys finished first overall, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they cracked the top five. For me, it's one of two. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts may get there since he can do it all, since he has the rushing floor, which is really what you need to reach that expectation. Uh, Jalen Hurts also a QB1 and 13 of 19 career starts, including 11 of 15 last year. So he continues to at least be in that range. It's just a matter of when they ran the league high and neutral run play rate from week six on when they changed the identity of their offense altogether. That's what basically plummeted Jalen Hurts, even though, again, he still finishes QB1. But with a little more passing volume, with a little more A.J. Brown, I certainly think it's in his range of possibilities. And then also Russell Wilson. I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett's uh, top 13 rate for three consecutive seasons, pass play rate, neutral game script, if that's going to carry over into Denver as it did at the Packers. I also wonder how much of a hand he had in that, or was it all basically Matt LaFleur? But overall, I would like to bet on a healthy Russell Wilson, since that's not what he was when he returned from mallet finger injury from week 10 on in this new system with arguably the best all-around offense of his entire career. And so those are my two that I definitely want to be higher on. But you did not mention Trey Lance. You did not mention Matthew Stafford. And... Kirk Cousins, if we want to name him as well. So who rounds out 10 or 11 through 11 and 12 for you? And who are you leaving out from the QB one discussion? Uh, just to touch on Russell Wilson, I, I like his upside. And I wonder you look at his rushing yards. Maybe you um, maybe you have an answer for this question, but you know, he had 586 in 2017, 376 in 2018, 342 in 2019, 513 in 2020. And then last year, 183 Granted, he missed two games. Maybe he was a little less uh, eager to take off and run. But I'm interested to see, like, I think his ceiling is 
impacted by his willingness to run this season. I think he could still run, but he is age 34 season. Uh, the yards per game dropped from 32.1 in 2020 to 13.1 in 2021. And as we know, these rushing yards are so valuable to these Konami type uh, quarterbacks. But to answer your question, um, I do not have top Kirk Cousins in my top 13. I have him at 15. I've got uh, Dak Prescott at 11, Trey Lance at 12, and Matthew Stafford at 13. And I really think that this is where I draw, like, sort of draw the line in terms of the guys that I would want as my QB1. And it's a great year to go late quarterback because late round quarterback because you're you can get one of these guys really late. I mean, Rodgers is going QB 13 off the board in the ninth or 10th round, and you can start your draft with eight or nine players at other positions and then add the back-to-back MVP. Yes, he lost Devontae Adams, but he's also had a great uh, scoring punch even without Adams in the lineup. Or if Rodgers happens to go, you're going to be able to get a Trey Lance, uh, a Dak Prescott, a Matthew Stafford, and at, at, with 13 guys that you like, you can also wait an extra round or two because it's very unlikely that anybody's going to add their second quarterback. You know, as they're trying to fill out their roster, they're going to be back, you know, drafting backup running backs, backup wide receivers before they take their backup quarterbacks. So you might be able to get these guys even later than their ADP. Is QB 12 the ceiling for you for Trey Lance? Like, do you want to go higher? Are you waiting on certain news? Or is that as high you're going to be to play it safe? Uh, because I think that's how – I think that's the floor everyone is treating him at since right now Jimmy Garoppolo is even basically locked out of the team's facilities. And it's been all Trey Lance at minicamp before the team broke for training camp. I wouldn't have him any higher than 10. If if he has a great offseason, I don't think I could put him ahead of Burrow or Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, just because he's not a proven – player yet i mean we know what his upside is we know he's a konami quarterback and we know he's got a pretty good receiving core there with debo samuel and brandon Ayuk and george kittle um and you we just know that he is going to get those rushing yards but i would have a tough time taking him ahead of burrow or wilson even if he has a great offseason and the one you left out matthew stafford for example and J.J. Zacharyson was the first one that I heard mention this, that the Rams, after 80% of their touchdowns came through the air last year, we obviously expect that to regress. And so that's why we should be higher on their running game, in particular Cam Akers, who I've been higher on anyways, uh, not believing that last year's timeshare was because that's what they wanted to do. He was just very clearly injured. That's also why he averaged less than two and a half yards per carry when he returned from injury. But overall... Stafford or Rodgers are one of the two I've been leaving out of those top 12. That's where I've been drawing the line. But I also think if Kirk Cousins, that's why I mentioned his name, shifted into the low-end QB1 territory, that would not be shocking either. Because Cousins was the QB13 and QB11 in fantasy points per game the past two years. But that's also with Minnesota having the fourth-highest run play rate from neutral game script in that span. Now we're getting an completely different offense under Kevin O'Connell. We were expecting a much higher rate of 11 personnel with Irv Smith as the primary tight end and KJ Osborne as the third wide receiver and just something that's more intuitive, progressive, and quicker, uh, which I also think pending Dalvin Cook's legal situation, like we may be too low on him as well, knowing he arguably has the highest receiving floor of his entire career this year. And so 
That's why I think Kirk Cousins actually is the sneaky one that could find himself in the low end range. Is there another player like that as you go on from QB 13 to 16, 17, let's say, uh, that you think could also sneak in to the low end QB one range? Yeah, and I think my initial rankings are still in place here where I've got Derek Carr at 14 and Cousins at 15. I have been seeing the same reports about the Vikings offense changing. And if that's the case, I think I will be moving Cousins up a spot. I don't think I would move him past Matthew Stafford, given how well Stafford play in that Rams offense. And I don't think I'd move him past, you know, Jack Prescott, Trey Lance, or Aaron Rodgers either. Uh, but uh, Carr is interesting because he has been top 15 the last two seasons, and that and he's getting Devontae Adams, uh, somebody who he played with in college and should have a seamless you know, transition into this offense. And now he has one of the best receiving cores, certainly of his career and maybe in the league with uh, Adams, Hunter Renfro, uh, and Darren Waller. So, and Carr has been really good downfield. He's actually been better than advertised in a lot of areas. The, the one issue with him is he adds almost nothing as a runner. So it may not matter because he's going to throw a lot of touchdowns and a lot of, for a lot of yards from the pocket. Um, but Cousins does run a little, seems like he runs a little bit more. I think Carr did run a little bit last year, but not as much as these guys that we're talking about uh, ahead of him, like a Prescott or a Lance, I think. So I think your, your, your floor is a little bit lower with these guys on a weekly basis. Completely fair. Derek Carr is also the one I keep thinking about because even what I consider to be his best last year before they lost Henry Ruggs pre-buy, uh, he was actually the QB 11 in fantasy points per game. He was throwing downfield 20-plus yard throws on 16% of his attempts, which was the fourth highest rate in the league. And then it all clearly just cratered because he looked up and it was Brian Edwards on the sideline instead. And just literally no one could separate downfield. That's why his numbers plummeted to just 14.4 fantasy points per game in that last stretch as he became more of a guy who did not take chances against man-on-man coverage, did not take sacks and did not turn the ball over, but we do need our quarterbacks to offer explosiveness, which he couldn't do. And maybe that's also because Darren Wall was injured for a majority of that time as well. And so overall, Carr is definitely a polarizing one for me, but I, I don't want to rank him ahead of Kirk Cousins because I think the ceiling is significantly higher still for Cousins, just my personal opinion. Yeah, and Cousins has proved it. You know, he's proved it. He's had on a points per game basis. You mentioned he's posted low end QB one numbers. I think that's fair. I think the, I think just the boost of having Devontae in the in the uh, offense there really makes Carr interesting. As we continue to round out the mid to low end range of QB two for you, I would love to hear your next group of five six options. Yeah, this is uh, you know because I, I mentioned that I feel really comfortable with the, the first thirteen. Uh, you know, quarterbacks as my QB one, if I came out of a draft with one of them. And then I think if you, if you miss out somehow, like somebody's taken two quarterbacks pretty early and you end up with a car or a cousins, I think you're fine. Um, I think at this point it starts to get a little bit dicey. So there's another line here that is drawn under cousins or car, depending on who you have at 15, but uh, to a take of at 16, uh, I do like what the dolphins are doing with the offensive line, adding some strong runners uh, obviously adding Tyreek Hill is good for him. And he actually had the highest uh, adjusted completion rate on deep passes last year per PFF. So he's got some tools that in theory will, will work with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill there. Uh, and then at 17, I think I'm a little bit high on Jameis Winston. I think 
you know, given his uh, history of performing at a pretty high level fantasy wise and support of multiple uh, fantasy receivers. Uh, he's an intriguing one in uh, New Orleans with, you know, I know Elvin Kamara might have some legal issues, but it looks like right now that he's going to play. Uh, in theory, Michael Thomas will be out there. They added Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, uh, and they've got um, Taysom Hill now at tight end. So he's got a, a number of weapons there, and I think Winston and, uh, uh, showed that they have been at 17. Uh, Justin, Field, uh, Justin Fields at 18. Um, that's a kind of a dicey one. He's been bouncing around my rankings a little bit based on how effective I think this passing attack will be. And, you know, he does have that rushing upside, but the offensive line is so bad. And I just wonder how functional that the Bears offense will be in general. I have Ryan Tannehill at 19. He's kind of uh, fallen down uh, my rankings over the last few years based on his performance. I mean, obviously losing A.J. Brown uh, really hurts him, uh, replacing him with Robert Woods, uh, Traylon Burks. Uh, it's kind of a year of transition for the Titans, and we're not entirely sure he's going to finish the season as a starter since they did draft a quarterback. And then I have uh, Trevor Lawrence at 20, I think uh, kind of giving him a little bit of a pass in his rookie season. Um, new coaching staff, uh, adding Christian Kirk as a as a receiver. They have a pretty good offensive line as well, so expecting a, a jump forward from Trevor Lawrence. And he's got some underrated uh, rush, rushing ability as well. Let's say we're being pragmatic and the room, the draft, nabs up quarterbacks. Uh, is this a range you're comfortable going into the year as a, with a QB1 with Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Jameis Winston, one of those group? Or are you making sure you have a QB1 at all costs before this group of players? I would make sure if things were really weird in the draft, I would make sure I got Carr or cousins as a QB one. Then I might pull the trigger on one of these guys as a backup to give myself a little bit of a, a backup plan, or maybe one of these breakout guys that could finish in the top 12. Um, I probably would favor Winston in that situation. Maybe, maybe Tua. Um, I might go to quarterback fairly quick there if, if it got to that, but I would not be comfortable with Tua or Winston Fields, Tannehill, or Lawrence as my QB1 in a 12-team uh, redraft league. I will say Winston as well. One of my favorite strategies is when something around me in a draft room happens and it starts cratering and avalanching and I'm not prepared for it, is just to look to week one schedules. I, you can do this with streaming quarterbacks and defenses in particular and just say, okay, well, this is the matchup in week one, and then we'll just figure out life after that. And Winston does play indoors against the Falcons in week one, a terrific matchup for him and the Saints. So if it all falls apart, do not panic. Just grab Winston, bank on that week one matchup, hope it's the Winston they unleashed in his last two starts before he got injured, and go from there. Rounding out the end of the QB2 range for you, though, 21 through 24, who is there? Yeah, this is when things get a little weird, uh, even more dicey. But that makes sense. I mean, we're in, you know, we're in the twenty-one to twenty-five range or whatever. Uh, Matt Ryan, I think, is uh, a pretty solid pick at twenty-one. He's got a good offensive line, good rushing game, pretty good receiving core there. He's apparently stepped right in and done well. He should be uh, maybe a little bit more effective on a per-play basis, given the, the state of that offensive line, the pass protection he's likely to see. Um, and then it's then it's just guys that are like, okay, well, yeah, you can see you can kind of tell yourself a story about uh, their rushing yards. Uh, Zach Wilson, uh, pretty good receiving core there. Elijah, uh, Elijah Moore, um, they added uh, 
the other uh, Ohio State uh, running back blanking on his name, right? Garrett Wilson. Uh, they've got Corey Davis now as their third receiver. They've improved their offensive line. Um, I don't know that Zach Wilson is going to make that leap, but he could. Daniel Jones, uh, you know, playing for Brian Dable now uh, in the Giants, and they've added some offensive line as well. That offensive line was terrible last year. They've added five net players to that unit and hoping that uh, their offensive line coach that rebuilt the, the Bills offensive line can do the same thing uh, with the Giants. And he, he does add the, the rushing for sure. I got Mac Jones at 24, not, not a runner at all, but pretty efficient. Um, you know, he's going to be pretty steady. He had, he had the best rookie year of any of those rookies last, last season. Um, and they, uh, you know, are starting to add some, some tools around him and some weapons around him. And then I've got, uh, Jared Goff at 25. I mean, I think he's got enough weapons, uh, and Detroit's offensive line is pretty good. Uh, if he gets all those weapons back, Hawkinson, Swift, uh, St. Brown, and then they added, uh, Jamison Williams there, who I don't think will be ready for the start of the season, but once he's back, that's going to add another, uh, a facet to that offense. Matt Ryan, for reference, did play behind a Falcons offensive line last year that finished dead last in pressure rate allowed. Uh, will be playing behind the best offensive line of his entire career this year. And then Daniel Jones, the one I keep coming back to that I think could emerge so far as into like QB 16 range even. Just the fact that you mentioned he does add the rushing upside. And then we should probably... Even in adding Wandell Robinson, we should probably expect them to run close to a league-high rate of four wide sets. They don't really have a strong receiving tight end. Ricky Seals-Jones and Daniel Bellinger. Bellinger and the only one among that group, the two that can block, so I expect him to be out there more. He was also used as a starter as OTAs, but... With Darius Slayton still there, with Sterling Shepard perhaps coming back by week one, that tells me like they have the core, Kadarius Tony as well, including Kenny Galladay. They have the core that's best used in four wide sets. Also remember the Bills last year uh, ran the fewest plays for multi-tight end sets. They strictly mostly utilized wide receivers in their personnel. And so that's what I expect from Daniel Jones. Just lots of dump offs, lots of four wide sets, and lots of rushing and clearing the way for him to run. And so that's why I'm, I'm trying to be a lot higher on him. And in leagues where you pretty much have to draft your QB2 because they usually are not available to stream off the waiver wire, I do want to be higher on Daniel Jones as my QB2. Yeah, that's interesting quandary there between Zach Wilson and Daniel Jones because I do think Wilson, I think, his, I think his receiving options are a little bit better. He does have arm talent. We didn't see a lot of accurate throwing last year and was kind of spotty. And he does run the ball too. Um I think this is a good question about like as we look back on this in a few months, like how, what's the value of the coaching? Because we we look at uh, Dable as a real good offensive mind. Look what he did with the the Bills. Is he able to do the same sort of turnaround with Dan, Daniel Jones in year one with those two working together, or is it going to be more of the same? Um, but the offensive line is also a big change there too. So there's some things working in Daniel Jones' favor, and it is an improved offensive line for Daniel Jones. Overall, I do think the. Everything else is better in place for Zach Wilson, but I don't trust that Zach Wilson will just automatically leap 
this year. Uh, everyone's working under their assumption where I think it should be considered closer to the Broncos situation of last year in that all the pieces are in place. They just needed a quarterback. I think that's where the Jets are at right now. And so, yes, Zach Wilson does offer a little bit of a rushing floor. Um, he averaged only 2.2 carries per game last year, but still he showed he had a rushing floor in college at BYU, especially in his final year. And so we do need more of that because that's really going to dictate uh, how volatile he ends up being because he could be a QB two. He could be a strong QB two, or he could be useless as like the QB 30. Like that, that's the range of outcomes Zach Wilson has. And so that's why I worry about placing him firmly in the low end QB two range. Yeah. 185 yards rushing four touchdowns in 13 games. That's not too bad. 14 yards per game. I think my model uh, quarterback rookie quarterback model had him projected for a little bit higher. I thought he was going to run a little bit more than he did last year, but that's not, that's a decent, that's a decent floor. That's not as that's not as high as Jones, though. I, I don't want to get too deep into the QB3 since now we're talking about the guys who may not even start, probably won't start actually a full season. And then we're just at, have to be talking about pockets during the season as opposed to right now forecasting it. But I'm curious on a few names that stand out to you as a potential QB3 or backup QB if it falls to this range where you're stuck drafting one of them. Yeah, I've got a Carson Wentz at 26. I kind of put him in the same, you know, range as Jared Goff or Mac Jones, more of a pocket passer at this point of this in his career. And he does have Terry McLaurin and a Curtis Samuel, and they uh, added Jahan, uh, blanking on his name now too. Um, Dotson, yep. Dotson, Jahan Dotson, um, and a decent tight end there, Logan Thomas. If he can get healthy, he's he's questionable to start the season, um, and. Obviously, JD JD McKissick and uh, Antonio Gibson catch the ball a little bit. I, I you know you don't want to ever start uh, Carson Wentz if you can avoid it at this point. But I think in two quarterback leagues or best ball, he's going to have a few games. Uh, and then Davis Mills, I have at twenty seven. Uh, he was actually better than people realize. I think with with the Texans last year when he played, that offense actually did some things. Uh, Brandon Cooks was better. Uh, so I think he showed enough to get him a chance to start the season and see if he's the you know the quarterback of the future for the for the Texans. Uh, and then now we're getting into you know you might have met, might have noticed I haven't mentioned Deshaun Watson. He comes in at twenty nine. Marcus I was going to ask you about that because you you know people are going to want to draft him and like take a chance on that. We may have a definitive answer about his situation for the season, like even as early as next week. But let's say you're going to your draft room. Yes, how are you handling the Deshaun Watson situation? Yeah, I think it depends on what sort of draft it is. If you're stuck with him for the entire year, like in a best ball format, unless it's a tournament, I don't. I, w- I wouldn't want to have him eating up a roster spot because I think best case scenario right now is he's going to miss half the season, and worst case scenario is going to miss the whole season. So it's okay if it's a, if it's a normal redraft league where you can get out of the you know you can cut him after week one, knowing what he's going to you know he's going to miss the whole season, then that's okay. He's available late. He's, his ADP in those leagues are pro- is probably going to be higher than uh, something else. So uh, I, I'm just projecting him basically for half the season, and that is weighing down his projections. Obviously, he's, would be a, he would have top 10, top 5 upside if he were playing the entire season. Um, but we just it just doesn't look very good right now. And knowing what the NFL is pushing for a full season suspension, I'm not sure how he's going to get away with even half the season. So we'll see. Uh, Mariota apparently is ahead uh, of Ritter there in Atlanta. Uh, 
I'm not like super optimistic about his ability to start the entire season. That's a team that's probably going to lose a lot of games and then all of a sudden be looking at the rookie quarterback. He's going to, you know, start get some starts towards the end of the season. Uh, but Mariota is a journeyman who has performed well in spots. He had a good start to his career in Tennessee and then really kind of fell off. He's got experience uh, with the head coach there, and maybe he could have a little bit of revitalization there with his career. And he's got a decent couple of receivers now. He's got Drake London and Kyle Pitts, uh, although that receiving core in general is pretty, pretty bad top to bottom. Uh, then I've got, you know, we're talking about Sam Darnold at 30, uh, Kenny Pickett 31, even though Trubisky is probably going to start the season as a starter. Uh, Drew Locke, I don't know who's going to start in Seattle. Um, I've got Drew Locke at 32, but the more I'm reading is that Geno Smith is ahead of him. And Geno actually wasn't bad last year uh, when he did. They didn't throw for many yards. He didn't throw for many yards, but he had like 109 yards passing, 7.3 yards per attempt. Uh, he threw four touchdowns to DK Metcalf in, in four games. Um, so he showed a pretty good rapport with, with Metcalf, but that's going to be a run-heavy offense. And um, we're really getting into the weeds here with some of these some of these guys. We just don't know who's going to start, and then if they do start the season as a starter, they're not guaranteed to start for the full the full season. Right. If Sam Donald starts, I expect him to. Like, does he hold off Matt Corral or does he just play himself to the bench? Same for Marcus Mariota. I think there will be pockets we use both Mariota and Desmond Ritter, but again, I think it's impossible to project at this time because. I want to hear how training camp goes, and then we have to see like how their schedule goes. Also, we don't expect these teams to score too many touchdowns. So also an issue where we just need to take advantage of the matchup more or less. And then Jared Goff, too. I know everyone's higher on the Lions personnel, but Goff, with, with Dan Campbell calling plays after their bye, averaged seven fewer pass attempts, dropped from 38.5 to 31 per game, significantly fewer. That's less than Mac Jones did, actually. Uh, on the year. So overall, it, it's tough to be high on any of these. I agree with you, though. The sentiment for me is that if it falls to this range, Davis Mills is the one I want just to see if he can carry over that 68% completion rate, 7.3 yards per attempt. He also spiked two top 10 finishes in his last five starts. And now he gets another start as Houston Texans with pretty much the same core. So I'm willing to take a chance on that and see what happens, knowing that also they won't be able to stop anyone. So at least we'll get their foot on the gas the entire time. Yeah, I was going to mention that they're they're going to be playing from behind pretty frequently. Um, you know, I and I think I think maybe with Goff that that run pass split was affected by the um injuries that they had at receiver and a tight end. Like they didn't have any weapons left except for St. Brown really. Uh and so they went run heavy. That it, I don't know causation or correlation there on that on that one. They did they did indicate with signing DJ Chark and uh uh, getting these guys back and then also drafting Williams uh, that they do want to do want to throw the ball. So we'll see what, what happens there. Uh, Goff doesn't run the ball at all either, but he can, he could be a, a QB two type for you in a pinch. So to leave everyone with definitive way to attack quarterback this year, right now, what range really, when are you trying to have your QB one buy? Well, looking at uh, underdog ADP, um, I think that's, I mean, best ball is, this is best ball, so it's a little bit different. But, you know, court, quarterback 13, Aaron Rodgers going off the pick, uh, going off the board, pick 105. Um, so that is round nine. Uh, I want to have my guy by then. And if it's not Rodgers, it'll probably be Lance or Stafford that slips. Maybe Dak Prescott might slip. Um, but Prescott's going 86, Lance is going 88, 
Matthew Stafford's going 95. So you're getting Aaron Rodgers at 105, a full round after Matthew Stafford. I think the value there is tremendous. Um, I don't know if me saying that will change anything over at underdog, but if you if you miss out there, I think you know Derek Carr 107, Kirk Cousins 117 uh, are really good fallback options. So that's how I would attack it. I would probably wait and try to grab one of those guys. But you know, sometimes as you mentioned, you know, you don't want to draft. I think it was Patrick Mahomes. You don't want to draft him at ADP. But if one of these guys falls, uh, you know, around. You know, Lamar Jackson falls into maybe the sixth or seventh round. Kyler Murray, same thing. Uh, if you can get a value on one of these guys and you want to diversify a little bit and, and grab a Wilson, a Burrow, a Hertz, a Brady, or whatever, and you can get them uh, in a in a value stand from a value standpoint, it, it doesn't hurt to pull the trigger there. You don't probably don't want to, you know, draft thirty best ball drafts and a- end up with Aaron Rodgers in all thirty of them. You probably want to diversify a little bit. I you think. might want to, but maybe not everyone else wants to. Yeah, I, don't, it's, I mean, I would say even that's not safe. Just with an injury, like you know, you're 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 putting all your eggs in one basket, and he's not a spring chicken. So you know, he could break his collarbone again, or hurt his foot, or something, and then you're stuck with him on thirty of your team. So I would sort of look at as your draft proceeds. If there's if there's a player that's slipping, and you can get him well after ADP, and we have him ranked pretty high in our rankings, yeah, go ahead and pull the trigger on him, and uh, you know, build your rest of your lineup around him. And one more time before we get out of here. Because again, you can access all of this by using the promo code 44 at underdog. Because doing that and depositing $10, again, will get you a free 444 Pro or DFS sub of your choosing. And it's that time of the year where everything is rolling out. Paulson's projections, draft notes, my team previews. Jennifer Eakins also has a lot of stuff going up right now, including a Scott Fishbowl winners and losers article that she has up. So overall, everything is out for access right now with that promo code at underdog. But until then, Paulson, next week, we're thinking we come back and give everyone a tight end preview. Maybe a tight end. Maybe we'll pick running back or wide receiver, but tight end might be good because then maybe. we're we're pushing off that running back wide receiver discussion until a little bit later in the summer. Or maybe we're just planning live. Uh, maybe they don't know the difference. That's it. Uh, we'll be back continuing our, our definitive preview of some position beginning next week. Thanks for everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time.